0: I'm Eamon. I'm Merlin. And we're a gay. And his envy. And it is episode 10, Double Digits. It's a history-making episode for the gay and his envy. And we are so excited to have another uh, opportunity to give you all of our opinions of everything that we're watching. Thank you so much for listening to us, for supporting us, and... We have so much that we want to talk about. Uh, Also, if you are interested in our Bravo opinions, that's going to be out tomorrow in our episode that's going to come out on Saturday. And we are going to have a lot to talk about on that episode, just to say the least. A lot happened uh, even in between filming last episode and releasing it. So we'll get to that, obviously. But this episode, what are we getting into, babe?
1: Um, well, um, we have a shorter-than-usual group of things on this particular episode. Like we said, uh, our episode tomorrow, episode 11, will cover all of our Bravo takes. But today, um, we're going to be covering Survivor, yes. obviously, the next ep- episode 2 of uh, season 44. Wow, season 44. Um but first, as always...
0: As always...
1: A drag Race.
0: Drag Race. Another great episode of Drag Race. We're getting close. We're getting down to the wire after this. We only have seven queens left, which kind of feels crazy. Yeah. Me. I mean, it. time flies when you actually start eliminating everyone every week instead <laughs> of just dragging the process out. Um, no, but this was a good episode this week. Uh, we come back into the workroom. Who went home last week? I can't even... Uh, spice. Sp- oh, yes. Oh, how can we forget spice going home? Um, and but we go uh, into the workroom and they're sort of decompressing afterwards. And Lucy, Lucy is in. This was Lucy's ep- Jan episode. I feel like. Oh yeah,
1: I mean they literally had memes of the the image of Jan with the the pink. I don't know what that the, runway. Uh, look the Michelle was. massage look. Yes, the-, the Michelle massage look and the look from this episode of. Lucy superimposed over each other it was pretty great.
0: Yeah, Sasha is celebrating her second win and Lucy's kind of still frustrated and she's she's frustrated and is also mad that everyone is pointing out how frustrated she is which is just making her more frustrated which <laughs> is really funny. I love how Mistress is just like playing with her in terms of it. Um she also keeps saying like, "Well, I'm I'm proud of it because I've won three challenges." So, <laughs> apparently what we have Heard
1: from her online is that the question posed was how many total challenges Uh have you won, and it was framed in a including mini challenges and maxi challenges. Sure, I. mm. But that was not included in the edit.
0: Yeah, we'll see about that. Let's 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 see that full. I'm I'm interested to see, but like. And she makes the point of like, and these were the most important because she won Snatch Game and she won the reading challenge and the like the photo shoot from the first episode.
1: But she said, These are, I won three of the most iconic drag race challenges, which I mean, fair. They are three of the most iconic drag race challenges.
0: Yeah. But it, like, I think it's just really funny of like, how do we weight these at the end of the day? I feel like people have had this discussion of like, does the Snatch game count more? Does like this challenge count more? It's like, but at the end of the day, it's just like I think maxi
1: challenges should always count the equal amount. Sure. Um, but in the eye or in the memory of the fans, we're gonna remember who won Snatch Game. Yeah. Like we're gonna remember like those are the challenges that we remember who wins.
0: They're a little and more And who iconic.
1: really sucks really bad. Like, those are the ones we remember.
0: Yeah, and it's funny as well. So they move on in the group, and then Marcia starts talking about how she's kind of upset that she hasn't won a challenge yet, and she's still kind of, like, in that sort of safe realm. And Lucy, like, nudging Mistress and being like, are you going to critique her for, like... And Mistress being like, guys, Lucy's mad at me because... <laughs> <I'm>, <laughs> like, I love that Mistress just, like, takes the piss out of people in such a, like, really, like... Just entertaining way at the end of the day. It's really, it's really good to see. I'm, I'm loving Mistress more and more. Um, but we go into the workroom the next day, and they uh, basically introduce the challenge for this week, which is 50-50's most gag-worthy stars, where they basically have to be in groups, and they are basically doing basically a play on 2020, the old... Which Do they do 2020? Yeah, they do 2020 still. Sure. It's not the, it's not the same <laughs> as the Barbara Walters era rest in peace but like you know i'm sure that's the you know it was very much like the throwback to like the sort of old 90s interviews i feel mm-hmm. though like when you're, you when you would do like the different segments and like the like
1: even the way that they were introducing them like all standing a equal 3 feet apart like yeah. in a blank square like
0: <laughs> and so basically and well and I really liked this challenge and when they announced it in, from in the preview for last week's episode I was like I'm really glad that they're doing this kind of a challenge again where they do like you basically have to be an interviewer where mm-hmm. it's like it's an actual skill that like you might need when you want to become a famous drag queen yeah I I
1: was um I was a little bit frustrated because um, we're we're hearing from several queens that they, again, edited a bunch of crap out. Oh, yeah. That, I mean, Marsha specifically talked about how, you know, because when she's introducing her segment, mm-hmm. she talks about, oh, uh, what is it that she says? She talks about. Because um, she was interviewing Charo. Mm hmm. But in. She she gives like this intro that is more indicative to what the interview actually was. Okay. But the edit was just her sitting there with a blank stare, not mm. understanding Charo, which is frustrating for her and for me as a viewer because we don't get to actually see. Well,
0: Yeah. Like
1: that's the, the thing. The actual interview,
0: and and also I feel like they will to get to it. So first, let's say that like everyone's in teams, and they each get a different celebrity. One of well, celebrity like like they each get a different person. Person that's <laughs> uh, certain people. Charo, I would say is a is definitely a celebrity. Uh-huh. I would put that in the category. And I you know, and then you have Frankie Grande. Okay, he's
1: adjacent to a celebrity.
0: Sure, he was on Big Brother once.
1: He was on that one season of Drag Race for an episode.
0: Yeah. I'll get to it. Um, and then you had, it felt like I, no disrespect to love Connie who they've had on the show before and famous drag queen and, and is an actor and has done like, like, but like, I, it did feel like it was like someone fell through and they were like, let's bring in love Connie. Yeah. Like no disrespect, but, and then to get to the point also of the challenge kind of sort of what you were bringing up as well. It did feel like they basically told the celebrities like, Okay, try to throw them off their game as much as possible. Like it felt like Yeah. It felt like the point they were like throw, you know, they did this challenge in season six, right, with um uh Chaz Bono and um Cher's mom. Name can't register with me for some reason. Mrs. Cher. Mrs. Cher Like <laughs> <can't. laughs> Um But no, so but it was much more taken a little more seriously and sort of like how an interview would actually be conducted in in that regards this definitely felt like you're you're designed to sort of throw them off their game and be and see if they can rebound which I get to a certain extent but it did I I almost wanted it to be like more serious not serious but
1: yeah but I still feel like it it to me, it felt like Charo was just being Charo. Oh, sure. And Frankie was just being Frankie, which those two things are not equal in the challenge, right? Yeah. That's not fair. That's already not equal. And then I feel like Love Connie was specifically trying to throw people off. To me, it felt like Love Connie got the the note of try to throw them off and the other two really didn't. Right. And it, it just it, – confused me a little bit and it also felt really inequitable when you're talking about like the challenge itself like some people had a much easier challenge than others
0: yeah and i think there was a lot of focus on like the questions and like what making sure you get into questions and making like and I think they ended up praising people for, like, the rapport necessarily and their personalities coming out as well because I do think you need that balance in that kind of interview setting where you do have to make it about the guest at the end of the day. The guest should be the majority of the focus. Mm -hmm. But, like, I like the people, and we'll get into, like, everyone's performances, but I like the people that kind of showed a little bit more of their personality as well.
1: I, I tend to agree, but I feel like they also were judging people in a way that they would not be judged if this was a real interview. Yeah. Um, Like, if this was a real interview, um, not asking questions and just letting the, the person talk would be not acceptable. Now, to be fair, Sasha did well... In both regards, yeah. because she she was able to... I know I'm going to sound like Rue throwing this word around, but she was able to volley. Yeah, oh, God. And,
0: I thought you were going to say something about saboteur. And I was like, <laughs> no.
1: Um, no, that was Love, Connie. Um, yeah. No, but I feel like she was able to hit the ball back and forth yeah. and have an equal rapport with the person as opposed to some other people who were more run over, but when they tried to not be run over, they were also like Selena was trying to get her questions in and trying to but it's a live interview. You don't have you can't just let them run on.
0: Right. And I think like she also like when I think of like Barbara Walters, if we're making the 2020 comparison, like her big thing was always the follow-up question and the importance of that question. And so sometimes you need to interject in the middle of a something to, like, if you see a moment to, that, like, is, like, something you can sort of pick on and sort of, like, move it in a certain direction. I think Celia tried that, whether it was successful or not, is is up to debate. But I think at least she had a better sort of understanding than, than Mistress in Malaysia, particularly, who I think just kind of froze yeah. more than anything. Like, I don't particularly remember anything Mistress did Well, Uh, and
1: that's also what they showed of Marsha. Yeah. Um, And so we also don't know what else was on the cutting room floor, right? Because we're hearing from Queens that the challenge is not an accurate representation of what really happened. Sure. And so that's also frustrating when it's being presented as a quote-unquote live interview with no editing, yet it's edited when it's aired. Yeah. And it's edited when it's judged. And it's edited in such a way to make... The judging look more appropriate, and that's what's so frustrating. Well, that's my thing. It's is just like, more of that producer gaslighting.
0: That's my thing, though. Of like, was it that the Mistress in Malaysia froze, and we didn't see anything, or worse stuff? Co- like uh, Malaysia's, I think, was probably the worst in terms of what we saw. Like. Because she was in the cooking segment, and it was With like Frankie. Yeah, and yeah. I think they made a good point of like it was almost like Frankie was interviewing her at the end of the day. Like right, it, it, he like Malaysia relinquished too much power to where like it kind of like became Frankie's.
1: Now, to be fair, in a cooking segment. You're kind of supposed
0: to let the other person take control Which of the also, reins. It's also cooking segment. Can we talk about that for a second? What was – they were making pizza – like, Like they put they showed the pizza at the end before they put it in the – and there's, like, literally a huge sausage link, like, on the pizza <laughs> that's, like, not even, like, cooked or, like – Well, they had to get their dick jokes in there. Oh, there we go.
1: But, because they were talking about, do you like it thick or long? Yeah. Like, so it's still Drag Race at the end of the day. But it it was frustrating because, like I was saying, like a cooking segment, you're supposed to let the person who is cooking, who is bringing the expertise, quote unquote expertise, (laughs) lead the segment. Yeah. And um, I I know you love uh, Wendy Williams. Uh, May her show rest in peace. But. She never really did that, and I, that's why the cooking segments on that show were
0: like weird i I wish someone pulled a Wendy Williams in one of those cooking segments, and I think right do you want to make do you want to roll on this dough? Nope, <laughs> I'll just eat <laughs> no, I'm here to watch you're here to cook. Yeah. <laughs> Um, I also think, uh, so Lux did really well. I thought with the, she was in the golf cart scene or whatever with love, Connie. And, and again, to use the term volleyed really well, I thought, and like injected her personality in a way where it still felt like, you know, we're seeing you as well. Um, and Anitra I thought did really good too with Frankie and the sort of like, they they were just walking, but like you've seen those like things where it's like the sort of like walk,
1: walking children in nature.
0: Yeah. Yeah, okay. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. Um, But, you know, like you said, I I would want to see like, the extent of how it actually went without the editing and all that stuff. Um, We go back into the workroom the next day and they're getting ready for uh, the runway. And the runway category is Night of a Thousand Beyoncé's. I always love a Night of a Thousand category. Mm -hmm. It's always a fun time. Like, and and we'll get to it. I think people. Unless everyone wears kimonos. uh, Yeah, yeah. Yeah, um, but I th- and, and Beyonce I think was a better choice than J Lo last year. Oh it's God! Like, like, and also no one went with the obvious J Lo look last year. Like no one went Jenny from the Block, and it was like okay, like what are we doing?
1: Well, I mean they did the I mean, Carrie did the other iconic well, J Lo look, but she had but the she had dress. the
0: dress, the actual dress. So, um, but speaking of Beyonce, so uh, Sasha Colby starts talking about how she had heard. And that there was stuff through the grapevine. She didn't say it was, like, 100% true, but that Beyonce may have been at a show of hers, and that's where she got the idea for Sasha Fierce. Which, which
1: is gag-worthy. That kinda, is amazing. I kind
0: of buy that, honestly. Like, that makes so much I, sense. News, stor- news articles have been
1: written about it in the last week. Have you seen those? Oh, no, I haven't. Like, it's like it's a story that people are running with.
0: Sasha, I mean, we've seen Sasha's performance ability, too, and it really embodies a lot of that vibe. Mm-hmm. So I, it, wouldn't, it wouldn't surprise me one bit.
1: I mean, if you're going to use somebody for inspiration, Sasha Colby is not low on the list of people to use. Yeah, like,
0: yeah I agree. Uh, we go to the run. We haven't talked much in the last couple of weeks about there still being 43-minute episodes or whatever. And they've done a... Next I, week, we get 90 weeks. Is or, this the first time we yeah, get 90 weeks, or, or 90, 90 minutes, minutes
1: is next week, I think.
0: Like And by the way, that the show with all the twinks on it, is go- is not it hasn't been running for like a couple weeks now and they're still you know I think it's because they already edited the episodes and they didn't want to go back in and add thirty minutes
1: but like they had six weeks because they knew from day one that we were mad sure. they could have
0: sure but they I don't know when they got the confirmation from MTV of like you can go back to this it seemed like it was very recent mm-hmm. but but what I will say is like th- this was so like they um. Also, wouldn't they have already had the 90 minute
1: episodes edited? They had the 90 minute episodes I don't think so. handed to them by World of Wonder. Weren't they? I don't think. I don't think. I think. Because World of Wonder puts out a product, the full edited product, and hands it to MTV. MTV then
0: edited it further.
1: Oh, I didn't know that. Because they have producers and editors at World of Wonder that already do that. Because
0: my understanding was they filmed thinking it was 90 episodes. And then sometime in between that, they were told, no, it's, it's 43. So I, you know... But, well, I'm not sure exactly, but I say that all to say, like, they introduce, like, Rue comes out and says, the the judges, Michelle Visage and T.S. Madison, but then don't give them any jokes. Like, normally there's that, like, banter of, like, Mm -hmm. hey, Michelle, insert joke, and then Michelle does the witty response, and they cut all of it. Yeah. And it was, like...
1: You know what I realized this week is that because they've been cutting out the judge deliberation, we haven't been getting back the... Bring back my girls.
0: Yeah, that's annoying. I don't know if I necessarily missed that, missed the actual deliberations. But I missed that. But I missed that. That's because
1: a, it's always different. Every episode, it's
0: different. And it's usually thematic. And it's an iconic part of the show. Like, that's, yeah, it's frustrating. Um, we, let's go to the runway. Night of a Thousand Beyonce's. Um, who were some of the standouts for us? By the way, also, if you follow us on TikTok, uh, you can go and look at our Tootin' Boots for the week. Uh, I also
1: see. shared on Instagram and Twitter. on Twitter, not on YouTube because YouTube hates us because we're using clips from the show, but whatever. Yeah, do well. How else am I going to do a tootin' boot video?
0: Just imagine it. Just imagine what it looks, like <laughs> like, looks like in your head.
1: Just uh, go go online and listen to uh, the our theme song, Pulsar, by Shane Ivers, and um, watch the runway again on silent, and then that's it. Yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's a workaround. It's fine. Um, I thought, um, I keep thinking of that Sasha Colby look. That Sasha Colby look was so freaking good. The silver, and yeah. it was so like, we'll, we'll talk about it later, but like with this kind of look, you really want to go into the, into the details. And it was so perfectly detailed to that actual Beyonce look. And she moved like Beyonce down the runway. Like the way she like was dancing. was like, it was, there was such an intention of detail to what she did.
1: I think the one that stands out to me, is, well, there's two that stand out to me. Lux, yes, um, the... which we find out during the judging that um, that look what is the recreation of obviously because that's the theme is the recreation of a Beyonce look. The original dress worn by Beyonce is an original Bob Mackie that Rue had worn before Beyonce wore it. Yeah,
0: and it kind of, well, and I loved it because it was Beyonce and a little bit of Rue, and a little bit of Tina Turner, and, like, it had all the... Well, but but,
1: um, Bob Mackie did a lot of Tina's looks, too. So, I mean, of course it's indicative. Also, now realizing Lux is the
0: reference queen... She knew. Oh, yeah.
1: She There's no way she didn't know that that dress worn by Beyonce was also worn by Rue.
0: But it's also great that because she's so young. Yeah. Like she can still get those references in. And, and, you know, you could tell she has a a previ- appreciation for drag. I mean, she quotes Drag Race a lot in her confessionals, but also like.
1: Well, and it goes missed. Yeah. No, like, people just let it lie. And it's like. No, celebrate this because this young queen has done her research mm-hmm. and knows what show she's on. And a lot of the times in a la- in the last, I'd say, six or seven seasons, we haven't really had a lot of that. We haven't had a lot of awareness other than I'm on TV, must act, you know, yeah. into my character as opposed to Self-producing. her. Like, we've had a lot of that sort of awareness of what show you're on. but. I I thought that that was really, a, it's such an honoring of the history of the show and the history of drag in general and the history of fashion. And and she's
0: such a throwback in many ways. Now that I think about it, like her drag is very like, it's still modern, but with such a, a good throwback and appreciation to like the 80s and 90s and those like sort of little like, you know. She does, she gives me, like, early RuPaul, like, Super Mario oh, yeah. World, like, you know, wor- walking through New without, York. Without any of the,
1: because the, RuPaul had a rough era.
0: Ru- well, Ru- yes. RuPaul
1: had her, her like, genderfuck era yeah, that club she, kid. club kid, genderfuck era that Lux has kind of, like, stepped past, because she's like, that's not my aesthetic. But, like, she stepped straight into Glamazon. Yeah. And is embodying early era Rue, and it's really really nice to watch.
0: I also um, wanted to um praise Malaysia's look. I thought she, mm. this was one of the best Malaysia looks she's had this season. The this like you know very iconic sort of black and white Beyonce look with the sort of like cut off shorts that are, you know, styled right.
1: I think it was um I think it was Raja on Fashion Photo Review that said um even if you don't know that this look is Beyonce you look at this look and you go that's a Beyonce look yeah 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 like it embodies who she is and it it was a very smart choice the other look that really stood out for me was Selena so I that, thought that this that, was the
0: most beautiful she's looked. The
1: hair was gorgeous. The makeup was gorgeous. The body was right. The dress was right. It looked expensive. Yeah. And then I thought it was really smart to have the little Roo bust mm-hmm. instead of the Grammys. That was so good, and it was it it was beautifully done. And I thought that it really showed a side to her that we have not seen before. Yeah. That really. Elegant, glamorous, high end, rich, like just looked. Mm -hmm.
0: I I also really liked, I I mean, the gag of mistresses with the Kelly and Michelle puppets on her
1: shoulders. (laughs) That was
0: good. It was really smart and, like, you know, a good way for her to still do that kind of look that you wouldn't think would be like someone of her style drag, you wouldn't think be able to do Yeah, she's not really done
1: a lot of camp yet. Yeah. And so showing that. Her ability to go there with a campy look that was still glamorous mm-hmm. and was still elegant. And you pointed out, I think, that the dresses of the puppets were the, the sleeves.
0: sleeves, which was so smart because the the Beyonce's actual dress in, in the look is sleeveless, but she had the sleeve element to mimic the dresses of the, the two on her shoulders, which I thought was so smart. Um, I, I I wanted to really like Lucy's. I, I I thought Lucy's choice was so smart, but oh my god! Like when you're doing a look, one when you're doing a night of a thousand look, it needs to be perfectly accurate. And the jacket wasn't the right color.
1: It it. I was fine with that part because it still harkened back. But the fact that she didn't wear a belly. Yeah, she didn't put a bump in there. Just not it's the, like not if you right look move. back at Beyonce, she was visibly pregnant. Yeah, at and that it wasn't point. a huge bump. It wasn't. No, it was like a three or a four month bump, but it was. You like, needed the bump. You needed the bump. She's sitting there rubbing a flat belly, and it's like, what? You, you got indigestion? Did you have Chipotle <laughs> for lunch? What do we got?
0: And she looked beautiful. Like she, Lucy looked really beautiful. In but the it look. really
1: put me off. Like, like. You you stopped short of really doing this look justice. Yeah. And it just it, yeah. it, it soured the look for me.
0: Um, so in the top for this week we have Lux, Sasha, and Lucy Laduca. And in the bottom we had Mistress, Selena, and Malaysia, Marsha and Anitra were safe. I thought that was the right call. I, I agree. Like I think this was pretty cut and dry, straightforward. Um oh and so Sasha ends up winning. Which is her third challenge win, two in a row. Yeah. And, and Lucy's ass was so chapped. Uh, it she was, was so bad. oh,
1: it was good. She almost stomped back to that back row. Just that
0: like, like stone face, like slow clap, but you don't want to clap. Like, it was slide. so
1: good. It was delicious. I, like, I love Lucy and I think she's done very well this season, but it's just so good to see her pout. It's so funny. Like, yeah. it just,
0: uh, yeah, and Sasha has been running away with the competition, it seems like. A lot
1: like... of people have been um, theorizing that Sasha will be the person that Rue taps to take over. Because of the, honestly, because of that question of, have you ever done TV before? No, I've never. Well, you're a natural. Yeah. Like that sort of thing. And honestly, I would watch the out of a sasha's drag race. i mean that's
0: the i feel like that's the person to do it just from the not just the drag race element but like how respected sasha is within the drag community it would be the equivalent of like obviously the styles are different but like if lady bunny were to take over, take over for rue which like you know like i think that wouldn't be something that bunny like, that's not bunny's yeah. thing
1: but like also it would be the same age like why would you do that yeah yeah yeah. the whole point is to extend the longevity of the show
0: yeah yeah and i think like at the very least she could be a guest judge at the very least because like and they should do more drag i mean some of the international franchises are starting to do like more former drag race queens as guest judges which i think they need to do more
1: or hosts or hosts, because brooklyn's got canada um we've got uh, what's her name on Rita France. Baga's
0: doing um, Belgium? Mm-hmm. Yeah, the one on Oh Nikki Doll. Nikki Doll is on France. So I mean, it's I think they, it's good because I think they've shown that they can do it. Like, right, that that it's possible to have it and have it still be believable and you know. Um and then uh, Mistress ends up being safe with Selena and Malaysia in the bottom. This was kind of surprising to me. I f- kind of felt like they could have saved Selena. I agree. I thought Selena's like at least
1: because they didn't seem to be as um critical of her performance as they did Mistresses um and I thought that her look was better than Mistresses so yeah. I really did think that she deserved to be And I think safe. Also,
0: also from a producer standpoint you would think you would want that Mistress Malaysia lip sync when they had been feuding earlier in the season Right Like that seems to make more sense to I me I mean unless they just unless wanted... they didn't have unless they wanted to keep Mistress and they didn't have the confidence that like Right. She would
1: win. And you know, they may have wanted to cement Selena as the uh lips as the lip sync assassin because this does submit cement her, her, her as that. Fourth. This well, is her this is her third bottom two lip sync, and she won in the first round of the Lollapalooza. So like, clearly she is someone you don't want to go up against in the bottom.
0: Well, yeah, so let's get to the lip sync, because they lip sync to Single Ladies by Beyonce. Um, And she,
1: if we're talking about Night of a Thousand Beyonce's, if you just took Beyonce's face and put it on, well, obviously they're different color people, but like... It was Beyonce dancing. Well, that's a,
0: well. One with a Beyonce lip sync in general, you have to go high energy. I feel, right, unless it's a ballad, obviously, or you know something in that regard. Like you have to sort of go really high energy because Beyonce's no more almost honestly a lot of times more for her, the choreo than the singing.
1: Oh, but could you imagine between these two if it was if I were a boy? Oh, oh yeah, that would be. Oh, good. that would have been good.
0: I'm anyway, surprised no one they haven't done that on Drag Race. That
1: would be such a good ballad. Yeah. Like, I'm not normally one for a ballad lip sync, but that one would be amazing.
0: The, and with this lip sync, I think the only issue I had was that I think the problem is when you do single ladies, you have to do the single ladies dance. Like, you have to all, when you have a song where there, there's so much, it's so much famous for the choreography, right? like, you can't really veer from the choreography.
1: Like, you at least have to reference it. You at least have to do a bit, but Selena did the whole yeah. damn music video and it was stellar right
0: I, and i think that was malaysia malaysia tried to go elsewhere and i think that kind of tripped her up because you yeah you want to see the the um the the choreo because it's so iconic with it but selena ends up winning the lip sync and malaysia ends up going home uh i'm sad for malaysia i think malaysia did really good this competition like i yeah. think you know even though she did she hadn't had a win but like I think she really had put in a lot of great work. I think she you, she's clearly a very, um, you know, talented individual. I think some of the... We've seen sometimes with, like, queens, though, it's like the drag race challenges are stuff so out of their realm. Like, queens... You can be an amazing queen and still not do sort of the things that you have to do on drag race. Right. And that, It's a different thing. And that sometimes trips people up. But I think she rebounded well when she did. And, like, you know, I think she's a, a really... You know, she was just delightful at the end of the day. Like, yeah. I think it's, she has a good future.
1: I think if she goes home and actually learns how to sew and create, because what she was able to create on the show, not knowing what she was yeah. doing, if she goes and learns how to sew, she will murder All Stars.
0: Yeah. I think she would do great on All Stars. Like, I think, you know, I, I think she has a lot of really good potential. And I think, you know, I, I want to see more of what she does in her career. Um, but we're down to seven queens left only seven i mean like it's gonna get down to the wire quickly like i think you know so obviously we talk sasha's sort of in the front runner position but like it really is anyone's game i think mistress is up there i think lux is up there Nitra. Uh, yeah lucy still like i think it's you know a really good cast towards the end and, and honestly not everyone like Credit to Selena for making it to top seven. I didn't know. I didn't necessarily expect that going into the season. Like I, you know, you could say the same even for Marsha to a certain extent. Like, yeah.
1: But I mean, both of them. The and we've said it time and time again. Like the quality of work put in by the queens on this season. If they had been on previous seasons with those casts, they could have won. Yeah. Any one of these. Well almost any one of these queens, <laughs> any one of these top seven yeah. could have won another season. And it's, it's just really indicative of the quality of queens we are getting. Because at, there was a time there when we thought the quality was, was drooping because yeah. we had run through everybody. But we've got a new full new generation of queens that is out here kicking ass and i can't wait to see what we do in the next few seasons like it's going to be phenomenal
0: it's really good stuff um we're going to take a quick commercial break but when we come back we're going to get into episode two of survivor 44 and everything that went down in fiji don't go anywhere (laughs)
1: Welcome back to A Gay and His NB. We are getting here into Survivor.
0: 44. I really like this episode.
1: And yeah. I, 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 Honestly, I really like this cast. It's such a good cast.
0: And I think they, you know, I saw a good a mixed critique of the first episode of, like, some people really liked it. Some people still thought it was too, like... Too advantage heavy and not enough like expo- like story like dynamics heavy. I think this episode we got much more of the sort of interpersonal dynamics of the tribes.
1: I mean, last episode they had two big injuries and sure. like they had a medivac like
0: and they had to but they and they had to introduce all these new advantages and like. like explain these whole big concepts and stuff like that it's fine it's
1: episode one like we don't
0: like but it made me more hopeful than like you know i there sometimes i think also with the three tribes of six we've talked about this where it's a lot and like it's hard to keep track of i have sort of a better understanding of everyone's dynamics right now in terms of like who is aligned with who who is supporting who who is you know gunning for who I kind of got a better understanding this episode clearer than I had in the past for other seasons. Mm -hmm. So I'm happy with that. Um, We come back from last week's tribal council and Ratu uh, is returning to their camp at night. Um, Matthew kind of explains why he chose to use his shot in the dark um, at the tribal, knowing that he was safe, basically saying that by doing so, he almost wanted to not be, uh, not get safety from the um, uh, shot in the dark cause he didn't want to vote because he didn't want to essentially show his cards in terms of where he was aligned because he knew that he was hoping that Brandon would play his idol to sort of like keep him and then sort of expose everyone else for like where they were going to go, which ended up happening.
1: Right. And like, you know, honestly we both thought he was crazy last week when he did that shot in the dark. And with that explanation, like,
0: it makes more sense than Jamie's. It
1: makes sense, and it honestly, it makes it makes me think, finally, we've got somebody on this show who is playing to win from day one. Yeah. Like, he's already building his resume in a way that nobody else is really going to understand well, until he gets to the end and lays it out.
0: We'll have to see with the whole M curse. I told you about the M curse, right? Right. Of the fact that, like, if the, the first person of a tribe that goes home who starts with the letter M, which was Maddie last episode, if they go to the tribal next and Matthew doesn't go home because he's the other letter M, then he's winning the season by by the track record of the last couple seasons. I wouldn't be mad at it. I think, you know, and, you know, we talked about how pretty Matthew is, but it's, it's, it's a good strategy too. like he's a he really is smart. And also we'll get to later where there's some people who clearly aren't as smart as they want us <laughs> to believe. Um, but we'll get to that. Um, Lauren, this also was, so Lauren then tells everyone that she has her extra vote and that she, from her, her save a vote, whatever thing that she had where she banked or the bank a vote. That's what they were calling it. Why, what is this trend now of everyone telling everyone their advantages? I don't understand it.
1: I, I don't understand that. And then I was just also really frustrated that nobody called her on lying. Nobody
0: like. What are we doing? It feels like you were saying, like, did she tell them before they went to tribal, maybe? Like, I mean, it felt like it because nobody
1: acted surprised when. Yeah. Like, I'm just, I'm so confused as to when this timeline happened because from what we saw, we saw her come back from the other island in episode one. We saw her come back with her advantage and decide to lie about not having the advantage and so she instead told them that she lost her vote. yeah, that was what we thought that her stance was the entire time. But then when they were scrambling for the for the um the tribal
0: idol. over the tribal, you're right
1: when they were scrambling for the tri- tribal tribal. When they were counting up votes votes, they were counting her vote. Yeah. And so I was like, okay, so did she tell them? Are they are are they operating under the assumption that um that what Maddie said is true, that she does still have her vote and had an advantage instead? Yeah. Like, what what is going on but, here? Uh, and yeah. then they go to tribal, she does her thing. And then she comes back in this episode and acts like she's telling them this information brand new and everybody's like, Uh, okay, kumbaya. I'm like,
0: what? Well, I mean, they kind of... I mean, she says that, like, you know, Brandon Idol's been flushed now because he played it at the Tribal, so now I'm the one with all the power. Are you really? Like, you just really have the target on your back. I don't understand this whole concept. I feel like they've... They it's fed a, into the Kool Aid that Jeff or whoever has been putting in their head for seasons of like advantages can be currency. They can be you know to buy trust or whatever. And it's like no, keep that shit to your fucking self. I mean, Jesse it lasts, can
1: it can be if you if you are very 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 careful on who you let know. Yeah,
0: it, but it no Jesse last season was this is why I love Jesse because Jesse was the only one in the, like the last like five or six years at this point who was like oh I got an advantage I'm keeping it to my fucking self yeah duh like it's like I don't understand it and then like um Kane who's also on uh Raw 2 is basically like Brandon's kind of like so you were the only one still here that voted for me and like so now he's kind of has a target on his back and he makes it worse later in the episode too um we go to the Soka tribe the next morning. They're talking about their puppies and like, they're like Matt, which so we, it gets into like transitions into Matt talking about how he's coming into this season off of a a bad breakup and with a, a woman? Apparently he's straight. You, the whole episode, were like, but he has gay face.
1: Like, <laughs> how is this possible? <laughs> like, I, my gaydar is rarely off, and it was off on, well, I mean, maybe he's bi. We don't know. Possible, But, like, I could have sworn he was family. Like, I,
0: I... I can't, maybe it's just the awkwardness. Like, I'm it's befuddled. Just, it's just like, like he, so they also show that he's bonding with Franny a lot um pretty openly in front of the tribe as well. Um and, like they make that co- he makes that comment about like when they're like get uh I forgot even what it was in reference to, but he was like you're a little fishy and I got a big long rod. Not thinking that he was making a sex Oh jeez. It was like okay.
1: I missed that.
0: Yeah. Well, and like they're doing this like just in blatant in front of the tribe. But they're trying to be like oh, no, we should probably talk to other people and not, like, sort of focus on ourselves. But then they immediately start just keep talking to each other. And you busted out when they cut to Claire with that disgusted look on her face. <laughs> <So it's> like, <laughs> it
1: was so good. We literally had to stop the episode because I was laughing over everything else that was happening. Yeah. <laughs> it was hilarious. That has such meme potential. It's beautiful.
0: Yeah, Claire is the meme queen of the season. Um, We go over to Tika's tribe they're discussing the uh, bag in the cage and what to do with it.
1: Oh my god, this whole thing!
0: So Carolyn and Yam Yam, which is, or is it Jam Jam? They keep saying Jam Jam.
1: I I don't know. I don't know what they like. Well, no, the tribe says both, and Jeff al- Jeff also says both. Okay, and it's just like which one can we get some clarity There's here a y, please? it's,
0: it's yam yam but like right
1: but i mean in some languages y's are j's and so i mean i get it yeah but, but like i'm confused but
0: essentially they're they her, him and carolyn want to look for the key and everyone else is kind of like you know iffy with it basically everyone else who's in an alliance right now Hel- helen uh, sarah and carson um but they end up go looking Carolyn is trying to find it. She find she gets up into this tree at one point, like like sticks her
1: hand down in it, and there's a giant snake and, in there, and
0: starts freaking out. So basically, we go to each of the tribes at this point, because right now everyone's looking for the key mm-hmm. to essentially, uh, or well, at least except on the Ratu tribe, Kane is actually just looking for the idol because he knows the idol was flushed out at the last tribal and that it gets put into play. But he's doing it pretty obviously. Like the tribe is noticing that he's searching. He he finds a crab in a tree and like alerts them and be like, "Hey, I found like a crab for food." And they're like, "Yeah, but why go- were you looking in that spot? Like that's not where firewood is. Like, <laughs> that's
1: also not where crabs usually are." <laughs> yeah.
0: Um, and then we have Danny over on the Soka tribe uh, actually going and looking for an idol as well. But ends up he does end up fi- uh, finding a key. Okay, but he's family, right? Is he? I I maybe I it's wishful thinking. He started flossing when he got the key, which makes me think not.
1: I mean, there's gay people that floss. Sure. Right? Is it the kid that made up
0: the floss? I don't know. Who knows? The backpack kid? Maybe. Maybe. I, don't I mean, know. I wouldn't be surprised. Um I I'm just going through my notes. There are also like Carolyn makes some metaphor. What was the metaphor she makes about like digging through her son's poop for a tooth or something? Yeah,
1: she said something about her son had lost the tooth and swallowed it. And so she dug through his poop for three days because she was not going to have her son not have a tooth to put under his pillow to get the tooth. Fairy. You put a poop
0: tooth under your child's pillow. Not a poop tooth. <laughs> That's, uh, um, but she ends up finding the key. Um, and then on uh, the soka tribe danny uh goes when everyone's sort of away and gets the idol so he get it's in in his bag it's an idol and then like a silver he says a silver coin right that's useless which is essentially like a, i guess a dummy mm-hmm. but like the other one was an idol a fake idol and i think the they're the, all immunity idols yeah. it's just I'm just confused as to why it was. Well,
1: but there's been different styles of idols throughout the years on on Survivor. Even amongst the different tribes, there's usually a different style of idol.
0: Yeah. So I mean, it's just they just threw some maybe so that if that like whenever they merge or something like that or some they 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 don't have three of the same looking like maybe I you know possibly. Um, Carolyn is like. She, everyone's sort of away, and she thinks, "Should I go get the idol? Should I not go to get it? Like, is like, oh dear I, God!" And she finally decides to go get it, and then she grabs the bag and goes. to She back was about to, camp. to give me
1: a heart attack with this whole thing.
0: And then, like, as she's at, back at camp, she realizes, "Oh shit!" Like, the thing is completely open and empty, so they're gonna know someone took it. Like, then they're gonna know I took it specifically. Which, I mean, we'll get to it. <laughs> so, so then she has to rush back and try to put the uh, put the bag back. She doesn't put the fake idol in the bag, I don't think.
1: No, nope, she doesn't put the idol in the bag. She doesn't close the bag all the way. No. And then she hangs it up there, closes it, locks it, and runs off. And then the other... Keep in mind, guys, that there are five people on the tribe. Four of them were all together at but, but... the watering hole. And then they come back and Carolyn is in camp. And they see the cage with the bag still swinging because she just ran away.
0: Literally, Um, there should have been smokestacks.
1: Like, like, it was literally, like, seconds. And they come come in, and they're like, oh, it's not weighing the bag down anymore. It looks like it's been taken. I wonder who did it. And they start
0: questioning each other other babe babe carson has studied fbi training (laughs) he knows how to read people this was where I was like, I will. I was liking Carson the first episode, and this was like, oh, you're an idiot, and I you feel, want us to believe you're smart. I feel like they put Carolyn
1: on the right tribe because it's all just Carolyn's. They just all hide it better.
0: Yeah, it's like it was obviously Carolyn, guys, but then everyone thinks it's everyone else, and they're all like, sort of like independently pointing fingers, and it's like and then they guys. literally dismiss the possibility of it being Carolyn. And, well, and, oh, we'll get to tribal later, too, where they, like, another part of that, like, was bonkers to me. Um, But it was just like, oh, my God, like, you guys are stupid. What are you doing? Um, We go to the immunity challenge. Um, and they basically do, so it's, it's another like big obstacle course, et cetera thing. They have to find a ball. I really liked this one. This one was nice. I liked the like drawbridge. Yeah, that was cool. I think
1: they've done that one time before. Um, but it, it, it was really nice to see it again.
0: And basically it ends with one person from each team. Once they get to the end doing this like snake, I guess it's a maze, but it's like, you have to put the, it's the one where you have to put the ball and then you have the two levers that control each side of this, like sort of like curved Half curved thing that you have to work up this snake to get to the top. Um, which there's that you was growing out. There's like a viral video of like a little girl doing it like in like 10 seconds or whatever. Oh yeah. It's bonkers. Um, so, uh, because Soka needs a sit out, um, for the challenge. Claire sits out again and like Jeff like points this out of like, is this like a group decision that you're sitting on a second? I didn't think it was a big deal that she sat out But then, time.
1: But then I realized that in seasons past, that's not been a thing. You've usually not been allowed to sit out back-to-back challenges.
0: Right, but you, and I think we discussed this of like, if it's a, if they do two challenges an episode where it's a reward challenge and then an immunity challenge, then you can't sit out two in a row. Right. But if it's just an immunity challenge that also has a reward added to it, then you can sit out whoever you want, I think.
1: I get, or if it's like the last time you sat out was last episode, then you can sit out again. Yeah. I, I don't know. It was, it's weird.
0: Um, but also like, so it's just like, it, well, there was that one season two where Abby Maria like set out most of the, basically the first half of the show. Like, yeah. So, but it was, and but it Sandra's was. Sandra's also famous for always sitting out of challenges. So. But it
1: was, it was always the immunity challenges because she was smart in that she was going, well, you can't throw me out for screwing up immunity challenges if I'm not participating in the immunity challenges. Yeah, that's true. Um, Sandra's smart. Yeah. Sandra is a case study of how to fucking game survivor.
0: So we get to this. So we get, basically everyone gets at th- their point to the end where they're doing the snake, uh, bit. There was one point where like, cause it's so, it's so like depth of hand what you have to do because it's like, the lightest touch moves it like that much. Like you have to be really light with it. And like Sarah from Tika, like at one point gets like almost like three fourths of the weight, and then just jerks her hands back and forth. Like, it's like you were saying it was like, it looks like one of those, um, as seen on TV, like commercial infomercials. How do they
1: do it? Like, like Like, where you just like throw a stack of Tupperware in the air and the,
0: Oh no. With (laughs) your hands on the side of your head. It's what it looked like. It It was was great. Funny. Um, so Ratu ends up finishing first, Soka in second, which means Tika then has to go to tribal council. Matthew, who was doing the, um, the snake puzzle for, uh, Ratu, who also is coming off of a dislocated shoulder, which I, you know, but he said he decided to power through it. And basically he said that he built a replica out of like balsa wood or whatever of Mm -hmm. this exact like puzzle to like practice on. Which we also find out later that Carson like 3D prints puzzles like, puzzles yeah. from the chat. We're at a weird point in survival. I, I mean, good on you. Like, I think like do everything that you can and get prepared before coming on the show. But it was just like, part of me also thinks that they need to mix things up a little bit in terms of challenges. Yeah. And like, I will listen to um, uh, another podcast called drop your buffs that talks about Survivor specifically. And they were, t- they really wanted to like, going back to some of like the like earlier season challenges where it's the more basic of just like roll this ball up this hill and try not to die like (laughs) like i feel like that like doing those sort of like everything is like a four-part like obstacle course that like ends in this like big like yeah um
1: i mean if we're gonna get rid of anything though we first need to get rid of that you know, surviving under the great and the with oh, the tide coming the last in. season. Well, I I hate it. I hate it every time that they do it because it is like it's this, basically
0: just CBS's excuse to like waterboard people on camera. Like, it's it's awful. It is the worst challenge
1: that they have. It is the most dangerous challenge that they have. And honestly, I'm surprised no one has needed to get medevac from that challenge. I
0: need them to bring back the like the straddle that giant pole like at the top where it's like essentially if you slip you just fall straight to the fucking sand
1: that one's dangerous too people have like really screwed their feet up with that one it's
0: like they you know you know people masochists i guess you could say would make the argument that like that's what Survivor should be but like i as a human being with like feelings and emotions i'm like yeah let's not you know Put some bubble wrap on this, uh, especially when we had the concussion last episode. Like, Yeah. Yeah. You know. um, but uh, as I mentioned, Tika uh, is, has to go to tribal council. Basically, the dynamic is that Helen wants Carolyn out, that it's the best option for them because Helen, Sarah, and Carson are sort of closely aligned at this point. And Sarah doesn't have her vote because of what happened when they went to the island, essentially. Right. So they're like, well, we need to pull in Yam Yam. To get this together, yeah. This part where Yam Yam is just with them and be like, "Yeah, I totally agree. We need to get out, Carolyn." And the and like he's literally in the confession, be like, "They want me to get out, Carolyn." And then cut to him like running across the beach, going, "Carolyn, <laughs> 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 they want to get you out." <laughs> it was great. It was like he. I love the little moments like that where it's just like, it's uh-huh, so comedy. Yeah, of course. Uh-huh, yeah. Hi. Hey, Hi. Hey! Basically, so basically Yam Yam and Carolyn then decide that they want to target Helen. They think that she's like sort of the biggest strategic threat on the group and that they basically try to get Carson to sort of come over. And now Carson's kind of in the middle between the two. Um, but Carolyn's not really trusting of Carson. She's, I mean, she's naturally very paranoid just in general. So I, it's not, you know, not surprising that she's just like, well, you know, I mean, it would be so obvious for them to vote me out. Like, you, you know, yeah. et cetera. Um.
1: Yeah. I'm really, I'm really surprised she didn't play her
0: idol. Well, and also like he lays out the, like, you know, Carson being the middleman, you could tell he's enjoying it of like, well, I got all this power because, and and everyone trusts me is Carson is definitely from what we saw earlier with like the whole cage and the idol stuff. Like mm-hmm. he definitely in his confessionals is like sort of giving off like what we, he wants us to perceive him as in this game. Oh yeah. That he's this like big master strategist and like, you know. Is has this great social game, which I don't think he has a bad one necessarily, but I don't personally see it in the. Yeah, other
1: he's goings. he's trying to be Cochrane and it's just not. Yeah, it's not going to work. It's
0: very Cochrane. Um, they go to uh, tribal council uh, and start discussing things, and Carolyn at one point, like literally, breaks down and starts crying, which, like, honestly, you know, probably garnered a lot of sympathy. I think Carolyn, maybe she's not the smartest in terms of like direct strategy and knowing the strategy in her head. But I feel like some of the moves that she's making either like intentionally or unintentionally are kind of working to her favor in many ways. Yeah.
1: I mean, it's uh, say what you will, but other people have won with chaos games as well. Like, uh, I mean, heavily respected
0: players have won with chaos games. So it's, and no one thought Gabler was going to win last season. Let's not talk about Gabler. (laughs) Oh god! Oh, whoa, oh, And speaking of Carolyn, they, so they, st- they start to vote, and we talked la- talk last week about the set for Tribal Council and how mm-hmm. like in the voting booth they have like this big chessboard and all that stuff, and the, one of the ch- there's a chess piece on the right side that's essentially the the marker for them to write their vote, and she's just like, which one is it? Like there's like it, there's so many chess pieces. She like freaks out, and it's just like like I'm so discombobulated. over here. <laughs> It was objectively really funny. She's she, Carolyn is is growing on me in a way that I, I really appreciate. Well, she almost
1: gave away when Jeff called for for idols.
0: That's what I was gonna mention, like about the like how the hell do they not know that Carolyn's the one with the idol? Like, she literally
1: reaches for it and then puts her hand back in her lap.
0: It's like I would zone on that in a fucking second. Why did they not like? Maybe we'll see next episode. I mean, like, she
1: was on the outside, and it was on that same side. So, but like, like
0: guys, to like two plus two equals four. Like, let's like get the like get this shit together. It's not that complicated. It's really not. And I think that's the thing with Survivor now is just like everyone thinks everything is like a six degree, like a a, a like a you know four step move that people are playing. Where it's like no, like it's like the like. The obvious answer is the answer. I don't understand why they're so overthinking it in many regards. But as you mentioned, Carolyn doesn't play her idol, but she ends up not having to because Carson uh, decides to basically vote out Helen, which kind of is a big deal. Um, And Sarah, obviously, without her vote, Helen goes home three to one. This was, I thought, was kind of a surprising elimination. I thought Helen actually could have gone pretty far. It seemed like she was very intelligent and, like, you know...
1: But I mean, the people that are obvious that could go far are the people usually that get voted out right at the beginning. That's the problem. I mean, it's that's one of the problems with Survivor, and maybe it's not the problem, but I I feel like the good players don't, like the best players don't make it. It's the middle of the pack player that wins. And I mean, part of that is hiding being a good player, but... You don't, you can't really do that. Like, it's almost impossible with these tribes that are only six people to really hide your machinations. There was
0: a, like, back in the day, there was so much about, like, lowering lowering your threat level. And I think, like, the good, best players also understood that, like, to a certain extent. But, like, when everyone is so paranoid and everyone is such a game player going into a season, it makes it that much harder to have those tough players survive
1: well but it also makes it harder for those people to hide when there's only six people on the tribe yeah when you've got a 10 person tribe starting out you can blend in you've more. got multiple people that you have to take out and you've got to start weighing your options and you leave good people on that's why mid-game in these shorter seasons seem meh yeah. So much because all of your power players are out at the beginning. Not to say that all of the people that have left so far have been power players, but that has been a trend. Like your good players go out early and they never make it to mid-game. They never make it to jury. And it's it's frustrating because those are the people you really want to see do well. Yeah. And the people that you don't really care about are the people that end up in the final three. And it's it doesn't make for the same exciting game that we're used to.
0: Yeah. It's a, it's a conundrum and I don't know, I don't know how they fix that, but it's a, it's a interesting conundrum that they have to deal with. I do agree. Um, I will also note that Helen in her like goodbye confessional basically said that she didn't like being the third person pointed out. And I was like, technically you're the second Cause you were medevac, or the, cause Bruce was medevaced in the first episode. <laughs> right,
1: right, 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 right.
0: So just clarity on that point, not to rub salt in the wounds. Um, But overall, I thought this was a good episode of Survivor. I liked getting to know people a little bit more in their personalities and sort of like focus. I think they just need some more time to focus more attention on interpersonal dynamics. I, I like advantages. I like, all that kind of stuff but i i'm more interested in the social aspect in terms of like who is getting along with who why someone's more personable why they're you know becoming an asset to a tribe why they're you know likable and and are surviving in that regard and i think if we can get back to that a little bit more i think it'll be a, an improvement in many ways
1: i think a good way to get some of the if we want to keep the three tribes mm-hmm. fine, but I think if we did a tribe shake up like every couple weeks, mm. like a, like two more like, in, like like you don't get more than two weeks in the same tribe, yeah, and then everybody swaps out, and then that way,
0: part you, of me thinks that would also, I I agree, I think part of it would also make it harder for me to memorize people's allegiances. Like,
1: sure but uh i think it would make for a much more interesting game and it would give us a way to have the smaller tribes while also um having the chaos and the ability for stronger players to make it further right because then people really have to start going okay now i have to i'm constantly like, people don't get stuck at the bottom of the tribe constantly. People don't get, you know, just targeted and ignored. Like, you have to move swiftly and you have to move deftly. And like, I think that sort of thing would, would really bring some energy to mid-game.
0: Yeah, I agree.
1: All right, everybody. So, let's talk about tops and bottoms of the episode. Really? So, we've got... Um, just we've got drag race and survivor on this one. So who are we looking at?
0: So for my top for this week, I'm gonna give it to Carolyn. Carolyn was really entertaining me this episode. I I feel like I got more well-rounded elements of her story and sort of like bonded with I love and I love to see someone in that in that environment of Survivor in particular, like fail a little bit, like as badly she failed with the whole idol play and the like Stuff like that,
1: and then somehow fixed it. Like and I see, don't, <laughs> but yeah,
0: and seeing them recover and seeing them sort of work with you know with what they're doing. Like I think she's an, an interesting character that we haven't had in a while to, in sort in terms of a sort of certain archetype on this show. Um, I really end up appreciating. Um, my bottom for this week is. <laughs> Can I give it to Frankie Grande? (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. Not my first choice in terms of this kind of a challenge. Yeah. Honestly, if we're talking about
1: who was getting slotted in for somebody that didn't show up, it might have been Frankie. I'm
0: sure they have Frankie on retainer. I'm sure. And it's not like he
1: does anything else. So they just had to call him.
0: Like, what does he do? That's a good question. What do you do? Successfully. (laughs) Quickly. <laughs> yeah, but no, Frankie Grande is definitely uh, my bottom for this week. What about you, babe?
1: All right, so my top of the week um, is probably going to go to Matthew. Um, okay. I really thought, you know, um, having the the planning ahead of having that puzzle done, you know, in your backyard and, you know, working on it and getting that good at it. Like, he didn't drop it at all. He didn't drop the ball once. And he brought, he brought the Ratu tribe from behind, from last place in that challenge, yeah. to finishing in first, single-handedly. So, like, and with a bum shoulder to boot. Like, that's impressive. That's incredibly impressive. And it was because he planned ahead and because he took the initiative to know what game he was walking into. Yeah. Like, good on him. Um. Bottom for the week, bottom for the week, I think I'm going to go with Carson. Okay. Because he tried to do the same thing, and it feels like he failed miserably. <laughs> he,
0: was, he was the, uh, the uh, great value brand. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
1: well, he's not even the great value brand of Cochrane because what he's trying to do is have that really mastermind sort of play, which... Cochran, like, he's kind of a divisive character because a lot of people love him and a lot of people hate him. Mm. But personally, he's one of my favorites to watch on the game. Um, so to see someone come in and try to play a similar game and fail so miserably at it is
0: just... Because you never want to see it with that archetype of a person. Right.
1: right. Because it's so bad. Like you could either do it really good or really bad. There's really no in between with that kind of character. And he's failing so far. Um, so I just it, it just did not impress me. Uh to uh to quote uh who is that? Leanne no, not Leanne Rhymes uh, Oh my god Shania Twain. There, there we go. go.
0: <laughs> the other gay icon. Uh
1: yeah. Not not, not um, not the person that screwed over Brandy L- <laughs> Gladville. <laughs> oh, oh, geez. God.
0: Hey, thanks for tuning in to this episode of A Gay and His Envy. Join us next time for more of our recaps and hot takes. And be sure to subscribe and leave a review wherever you are listening. And check us out on our social media at A Gay and His Envy on all the platforms.
1: A special shout out to Shane Ivers who wrote Pulsar, the song we use for our theme. I'm Eamon. I'm Merlin. And, and we're, we're out.
0: out.